0: Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, if if you're a human being, no doubt you've most likely experienced some worry, especially over the last two or three weeks, and there's worry about the, the future ahead. I understand. I get that. And today we're going to talk about some tips for distracting yourself from overwhelming worry. That and so much more coming up on The Virtual Couch. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take a second. And yes, this is, uh, this is an ad, but I, I want this to be a little bit different right now. Honestly, whether or not you click through my link or follow the referral code I'm about to give you, um, is a bit irrelevant. I think for right now, with a lot of the things that we're kind of dealing with as a country, as a world, the, the pandemic around COVID-19, the coronavirus, there are a lot of people that are struggling with some of their mental health challenges. And I know that because of the texts that I get as a therapist, that people are worried about getting in to, uh, to see their therapist, especially if they've worked on a lot of things in the past. And so I just want to encourage you to reach out to your therapist. A lot of therapists do have telehealth options available. I know that's, uh, I reached out to my a lot of my clients yesterday, let them know that. But if, you, if yours doesn't, or if you um, are really, I don't know, maybe this is the thing that has caused you to feel like you really do want to talk to somebody or you ha- are having maybe an extra bit of anxiety or uh, depression has kind of kicked in then online therapy really is um, it does work and so uh, go to betterhelp.com if you want betterhelp.com slash virtual couch to get 10% off your first month again I hope you can tell that the last thing I want to do is sound like I'm trying to capitalize on this but I feel like um, betterhelp.com has been an amazing partner and I get feedback uh, regularly of people that didn't realize that uh, the world of online counseling could be as beneficial as it could be so so um, just, just head over there. If you want the 10% off your first month, you can use uh, my code, thebetterhelp.com slash virtual couch. But regardless, just uh, if you really need help, online counseling is there and they have an amazing assessment tool to get you matched up to the right person. And obviously you don't have to leave your home. You can do it uh, video. You can do phone. They do text, email, that sort of thing. And there's uh, it's available worldwide. So let me just kind of end it there. And uh, if you need the help, please, either, please reach out to your own therapist. See if they're still um, working with people, whether it's, uh, you know, over the phone or telehealth, teletherapy. And if you, if you're really struggling with some uh, mental health issues or anxiety, depression, that sort of thing, then at least give betterhelp.com a try as well. And again, if you feel like it, betterhelp.com slash virtual couch gives you 10% off the first month. Um, but all right, Hey, I wish you all the best and, uh, and uh, you know, let's get to today's show. Thanks. 194 of the Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful a coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and co-author of the best-selling book He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An Expert and a Former Addict Answer Your Questions, in which I play the role of the expert and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anybody that you know is struggling to put it behind them once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a... Hold the shame, strength-based, become the person you always wanted to be way. Then head over to pathbackrecovery.com and there you'll download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to put pornography in their rearview mirror once and for all. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And I, I just got to be honest, right out of the gate, I hesitated on releasing this. This is uh, going to go out on a Tuesday, and normally I try to get the podcast out on a Monday. And I just am waiting. I recorded a a, a online class, a virtual session, as I like to call it, on parenting, on how to parent positively even in the not-so-positive of times. What we're dealing with right now, and there's just been a hiccup or two, but it is coming. So go to TonyOverBay.com and sign up there to find out more about upcoming programs because there is a program that is will be released maybe by the end of the day, um, maybe in a day or two. I know I'm being very vulnerable. I should know the exact days and ways to go and find out, but I just want to get this program out. It's uh, I think it's about 45 minutes. It's a series of videos that just just to help you understand your kids better and how to parent better and I am just desperate to get that out. It's completely free. And again, go sign up on TonyOverbay.com and you'll be the first to find out. I'll also post on social media, uh, on my Instagram account at virtual couch, as well as on my Facebook page at Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. So there, got that out. I can't wait to share that with you and you will see it coming soon. And when you do, please subscribe to it, sign up to it, download it, pass it around. But I just I just want to help with parenting because I know we're dealing with a lot right now, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the family, that we always wanted our family in our home. And so, here they are. What are we going to do with it? And I just want it to be the best experience that it can be. All right, I want to get to today's topic as soon as I can. I'm trying to make these nice and short. I know that um, maybe even time to listen to podcasts has been challenging a little bit. You know, I get this daily update about podcasts, and it is pretty fascinating. Downloads are not necessarily decreasing, but most everyone is in this little weird spot where they're trying to either not do a podcast about coronavirus and COVID-19 or trying to do one that can be a little bit more helpful, a little bit more productive. I know I've certainly done that. I'm trying to bring the psychology of touching one's face or the herd mentality of buying toilet paper. Um, The episode last week, I just wanted to have some fun with psychological testing and the feedback from From that was nice, and today I just want to talk about some some tips for distracting yourself from from anxiety or from overwhelming worry. And so I found a wonderful article, and uh, I want to kind of break that down, give my own two cents, Um, but we'll get you in and out of here quick, and look for that class, that course on parenting coming soon to the internet near you. Okay, so the article is called, I'm a Psychologist, and these are my top eight tips for distracting yourself from overwhelming worry. And it is from wellandgood.com. The article was actually put together by Aaron Bunch. And it was just a week or so ago, March 19th. In the opening, uh, Aaron says, Now is not the time to tell someone to stop worrying. COVID-19 related news updates are troubling for many for a variety of reasons. And I think that maybe it's safe to say that we're all feeling this um, confusion about the future of jobs or childcare, health of loved ones, personal health that goes on and on. And she mentions, Erin mentions that she for one should know that the previous week she'd had a breakdown of sorts about the repercussions of the pandemic on finances, future, that sort of thing. And she talks about adopting some new habits and uh, that interrupt her worry spirals, reading the news less, opening up a a language app to have a language lesson when she feels her thoughts are starting to get a bit out of control, taking walks through the neighborhood. Um, She says, because at that time where she writes the article, she lives in a city where that's currently permissible. But uh, she then kind of gets into the the meat, the heart of the matter. She said, turns out I'm right on track with these techniques. Distraction is great as a first line defense against worry, says Elena Cairo, PhD, a licensed clinical psychologist at New York City based Alma, below she and clinical psychologist Amy Deremos also, um, a doctor has her doctorate in psychology, offer eight different techniques that you can test out ASAP for halting worry loops and their tracks. Check out these tips below. So I want to go through these tips and uh, just add my own take to these as well. But again, I'll link the article in the show notes because I really feel like these are just really, really good ideas to keep in mind. Number one, she says, create a library of nourishing activities that you can lean on. She says, uh, Dr. Cairo says, for distracting yourself from worry, any type of activity is great, but I would try to think about activities that are nourishing rather than depleting. She said the two main categories would be activities that bring you joy or happiness to some degree, and then activities where you can get a sense of achievement. She recommends making a list of these and keeping it posted somewhere easy to reference so that you when you feel a worry coming on, interrupt it, interrupting it only requires very minimal effort. And I think that the, the key here, if I can chime in, is writing these things down. And I am the worst at writing things down. I want you to know that. But this kind of holds over to the work that I do with addiction, where people often, I call it a relapse prevention program. So, to in order to prevent relapse, it is if I find myself in a triggering environment. So, if I find myself starting to see my thoughts start to go a little bit um, downhill, out of control, out of hand, then I have a list that I can turn to and look for. Because right now, you might think, I've got some great ideas. I, I know that I could do some physical exercise. I know that I can do some breathing. I know that I could stand by a window and, and smell the fresh air. I know that I can go distract myself by um, doing something with my kids. I know I can read a book. I know I can open up an app. But when you start to get in the grips of anxiety or worry or fear or doubt, I think it's important to remember the way the brain works. So you've got this amygdala, which is this part of the brain that regulates emotion. It's the fight, it has the fight or flight response. That's where that comes from. So when you start to find yourself getting a little bit worried, Remember, here's what happens. Your, your heart rate starts to rise a little bit. And when your heart rate starts to rise, the amygdala says, okay, something's going on. And so the amygdala actually starts to produce a little bit of cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. So, so the more that this stress hormone is produced... With the increase of heart heart rate, with the increased worry, then the prefrontal cortex, the logical, the thinking part of the brain starts to slowly shut down. It kind of thinks that, okay, we're getting ready for battle. I mean, that's really the core, the key of anxiety. So it starts to feed itself. So having something that you can go and look to and the, and, and basically almost, I feel like, robotically follow through on because it will, it will be a nice distraction, get you out of that moment and allow you to kind of calm yourself down. Uh, Dr. Cairo notes that these activities will be specific to the person. Dr. Deremas has a few suggestions. She says, working out, engaging in something that stimulates your sense of touch. I like that. Like crafting or activating other sensory pleasures by looking at beautiful art, either online or in books, listening to music, which is a really good one, volunteering on or offline, finding things you can donate. She said so that you can know that someone is safer and more comfortable because of what you're doing. And, And so I like that there's a quote after this first one that says, you might not notice because this happens automatically, but as soon as you start to engage in an activity, Activity, your thoughts are changing to some degree. That's uh, Elena Cairo, and that is is definitely the case. That's part of what you're trying to do. Is remember, you're not necessarily trying to just stop thought. I mean, sometimes I can just say, "Hey, good luck." Your brain's going to continue to kind of do what it wants to do. But as soon as you engage in another activity, as uh, as Elena mentions, your thoughts are starting to change to some degree. She said, especially if you're prone to worry, she actually advises scheduling some of these activities into your day as sort of a mental health maintenance strategy. She said. uh, that's where this uh, this quote came from, and I think that that is a really wise thing to do. You can you can schedule some time in to to look at art, to, to breathe, to listen to music. And then just know that if you start to become overwhelmed throughout the day, you've got this list that you can turn to as well. And the more you do this, the more that creates a nice pattern to the point where you eventually, if you start to feel worry coming on, your brain already says, hey, uh, go get that book or turn on the, I was about to say radio, shows how old I am, um, but turn on some music. And, uh, and so I think that's a great one to start with. Number two, uh, they have a very short paragraph on this, but uh, I could go on to this for days, practice mindfulness. Um, on that note, Dr. Cairo adds that you can and should also turn to mindfulness exercises like meditation as strategies for learning how to stop worrying about things you can't control. She says, even if you're someone who's like, quote, this is not for me, I would just say try it, she says, because they actually guide you in noticing your thoughts. And hopefully accepting them and letting them go, which is very hard to do on your own. And I, I know I plug this all the time, but I had a wonderful client tell me a couple of weeks ago that this person, when they even hear mindfulness, they now recognize it's a bit of a trigger and they find themselves turning off whatever the person's about to say next. And I was so grateful for that honesty. I really was because I, I get it because people say just mindfulness, mindfulness, meditation over and over. And I think one of the most important things to recognize, just hang with me here, but The goal is not to completely stop thought. The goal is not to empty your brain of thought. I think a lot of times people assume that and they just say, I can't. I mean, I've tried and I can't do it. Nobody can. I mean, I don't know, maybe some people can at some point. But here's the goal of mindfulness. Let me just go through this again. And I've been doing this now for about five or six years on a semi-regular basis. I personally use the app Headspace. But there's a mill- There's so many good apps out there. 10% Happier and Calm and Humbley and all of these wonderful apps. But what happens is in Headspace, there's a, a wonderful British guy named Andy who goes through – now I worry that he's not even British – um, but that's uh, neither here nor there. But he goes through a very calming, hey, uh, sit back and, and in through the nose and out through the mouth breathing and then slowly shut your eyes and then do a body scan. And, and then he lets your mind kind of just, there's silence. And I remember very well, and this still happens to this day, where my mind starts to think all of these thoughts like, this is kind of ridiculous. i got stuff I need to do. I don't even know why I'm doing this. And then he'll maybe say, okay, hey, now just gently bring your awareness to a sound in the room. And I might hear the uh, water fountain that I have in the room. Or I might hear my white noise machine. And you're focusing on that until all of a sudden you're not. And then at that point, you bring your, you bring your, your thoughts, you bring your mind back to whatever that sound is. And then he might say, okay, now let's come back to the breathing. And just think about your, your breath. Think about the air going in through your nose and the air going out through your mouth. And then he'll be silent and you do that. And then you're you're thinking about breathing and then all of a sudden you realize you're not. And then you go back to thinking about breathing. So you're just training your brain that when it is starting to go, we'll just call it out of hand, that you have this unique skill, this ability to quickly bring yourself back into that moment, into the present moment, into thinking about breathing or listening to sounds or feeling your body or smelling smells or whatever that is, that is not worry, that is not ruminating or thinking about what what might happen in the future or worrying about what happened in the past. If you really put it that way, it's just about bringing you back to the present. So I highly, highly recommend practicing mindfulness. The number three that they discuss is, um, she says, try grounding rituals. So we just spoke about breathing exercises can help, but uh, also grounding rituals. For example, um, Dr. Cairo says, using your five senses to describe your environment running cool or warm water over your hand or even picking something uh, as your grounding object so that when you hold on to that object, it reminds you to stay connected to the present moment. She said you can also look around the room and label what you see or hear or smell because when you do it, it kind of says, right in this moment, I'm looking or hearing or smelling this and I'm okay. Okay. I was working with somebody who who struggled with some anxiety a week or two ago, and there was even something in there that talked about getting ice packs and putting ice packs on your back or on your chest. And I loved that because what what happens there is now all of a sudden you're feeling the ice, and you're aware of that feeling that the ice has on your skin. So whatever this grounding ritual might be, and I've had some people that have, have maybe not necessarily had as good of a time with something like Headspace but they have gone outside and just sat and then just identified sounds or they've sat and looked around and just identified what they're seeing. So any of these grounding rituals now, I hope that you kind of get the sense of what they're doing is they're not trying to clear your brain, but they're trying to bring you into that present moment where you're not worrying or worrying about the future or ruminating about the past. All right. Number four, they talk about that. They say, talk to yourself as if you would talk to a loved one. I love this. Um, Dr. Cairo says, "Think to yourself: If my mom or my brother or my friend said that they were worried that things are never going to be okay, how would I respond to them? Because most likely, you would focus on positive things, or you would have them think about the the good things. You would maybe have empathy and acknowledge that yeah, things are kind of tough right now, but let's kind of focus on what you what you have to be grateful for, which can be hard. And this is uh, sometimes I jokingly say when I have a client in the room: forgive this kind of you know hack bit or this uh, this old therapist trick." But what would you tell somebody that came to you with the problem that you're presenting to me right now? And, and it's almost like when I do, I almost wait, wait for the client to say, really? I'm paying you and you're telling me, what would I tell somebody else? But normally it comes with a little bit of a, oh, okay, so I see where you're going there. And, uh, and that's where people will often kind of say, yeah, I'd probably tell them that things are going to be okay. Or I'd probably tell them that, hey, uh, you don't need to worry as much and, and that sort of thing. So practice a little self-care, a little self-compassion and talk to yourself as if you would a loved one. All right, we just have a couple more here. Number five, schedule time to worry. I think this one's kind of fun. Set aside some time to write out your worries or even speak them out loud, says Dr. Cairo. Um, Doing so can be helpful for lessening their influence on the rest of the day. And she suggests choosing a neutral space, so not not your bedroom for this practice. And I think the reason there is you really don't want to have uh, associations with your bedroom of things like, you know, this is a place where I go to worry. Um, I've been doing a lot more digging on an upcoming podcast about some sleep disorders or uh, people that struggle with insomnia or those sort of things. And and one of the big things they talk about there is just when you're creating your nighttime sleep routine that you you know you don't want the bedroom to be the place where this is where I do all my work. This is where I eat. This is where I you know uh, just do all these variety of things. You really want it to be a place where you sleep. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to find somewhere. That you maybe schedule a little bit of time, and when you go to that place, you're going to be all in. You're going to be fully present. You're going to let yourself worry during that time. You might have to set a timer on your phone. and uh, And I feel, I believe, that when people start doing more of things like this, this intentional time to worry, that excuse me, that oftentimes they find that just knowing that that time to worry is there, they they will say, okay, I'll worry about that when when I have my time scheduled to worry. And oftentimes, when that time comes, they feel like, you know, I think I'm okay. I can wait till tomorrow. Number six, uh, the uh, um, Aaron Bunch in this article, again, it's I'm a psychologist, and these are my top eight tips for distracting yourself from overwhelming worry. The number six tip is experiment with cognitive behavioral therapy. Now, I am a very big fan of a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, but uh, acceptance and commitment therapy actually came from cognitive behavioral therapy, and, and I really enjoy where they're going with this. Um, Aaron says the process aligns with mindfulness, And that it involves noticing your thoughts and labeling them as worried thoughts and then practicing acceptance around them, which is really, I mean, I I really love that concept. If this doesn't work, Dr. Cairo says, you can instead try balancing them out with helpful thoughts, such as in this moment, I am fine. And uh, that's why I think I'm talking about all these podcasts I can't wait to do, but cognitive distortions. There's, uh, There's some really good information out there on cognitive distortions, and that's what we're talking about there at the end exactly, where... If somebody is uh, balancing out a helpful thought, such as in this moment, I am fine. A cognitive distortion, just as a little heads up, is something like the all or nothing or black or white thinking. So, someone might say, it's never going to get any better. You know, this is never going to get better and I'm never going to be able to uh, go out of my home or work again. But what you can do in, in recognizing, okay, that's a cognitive distortion, that's a black or white statement, an no all or nothing statement, and realize, yeah, right now it does feel that way. That's the acceptance. But then in this moment, you know, I, I, I might feel this way, but um, in the future, it could look a lot different. So this is a strategy that this Aaron, Aaron Couch says she's been employing in the last week, telling herself she has food, she has water, she has shelter, so she's not as threatened as she feels. And she says she's found that to be highly effective. So, again, um, you can sit and notice thoughts, label them as worried thoughts, anxious thoughts, fearful thoughts, and then just kind of, There's a now I'm going to do another thing. There's a great um, therapy or a grateful mindfulness technique in acceptance and commitment therapy called Leafs on a Stream. If you haven't heard it, go Google it. But it's basically spending some time, one minute, five minutes, however long you want to do it. And you think a thought and then you literally watch yourself place that thought on a leaf in your mind and set it on the stream and then watch it go away, watch it go around a bend. And then the next thought will come up and that thought could be even, um, this is kind of silly. And then, okay, uh, I noticed that thought I'm putting it on a leaf. I'm putting that on the stream and a practice, even a mindfulness practice like leafs on a stream can eventually help you recognize that a thought is just a thought and that uh, we don't necessarily have to get as worked up about a thought. Number seven Um, she says, notice old patterns arising in this novel circumstance. So, uh, Aaron says, though pandemic-related worries are new, um, now Dr. Cairo notes that if you examine them closely, familiar patterns emerge. And I thought this was fascinating. She said, even though it feels different, it's very likely triggering similar patterns for us. She says, examining what those patterns may be, So she says, for me, it's a familiar fear of running out of money, can help you employ strategies that you've used in the past to combat them. So if you if this pandemic, if it does bring up um, what are what are the underlying feelings or what are the underlying feelings of fear? Is it is it more of a worry of loss of those that you love? Is it more of a worry of, okay, I really need to prepare, you know, not that anyone could have necessarily prepared um, perfectly for something like this. But but, you know, when you felt that way in the past, what have you done to try to bring yourself to present to kind of get through that day? And then number eight, the last one, uh, take action. Dr. Derrima suggests that some might find it helpful to set aside some time to write down a solid contingency plan. And, uh, and a little funny thing on this one. So she says, Dr. Derma says, visualize your worry being emptied out onto the paper. Or into the computer screen, she says. And the reason I hesitated, I read this thing two or three times, and every time I saw paper, I saw the word toilet in front of it. And I could not, and I kept thinking, okay, am I missing something here? So I thought it was saying visualize your worry being emptied out onto the toilet paper or into the computer screen, which I realize now is just some sort of this confirmation bias where I feel like any time I see the word paper, It's talking about toilet paper and lack of toilet paper or who has toilet paper. And so that was kind of fascinating the way the brain works. But uh, visualize yourself worrying, the worry being emptied out onto paper into a computer screen. And so that's a lot of the visualization exercises really work for a lot of people. Um, So while all of these above strategies can be helpful, Dr. Cairo notes that it's worth acknowledging that this is an unusual time and to practice self-compassion in light of it. She says it's very much okay to have worries. She said, remember, you're not alone. You can talk to people, therapists, whomever you need. Thank <laughs> you that no one should really have to go through this by themselves. So, so that's the gist of the article. Actually, that is the article. And I just want to end it with where uh, where they kind of ended that article about, this is an odd time. And one of the things that I love about acceptance and commitment therapy, again, it goes back to, and I, this is a familiar refrain, an old speech that I like to give, is that you're the only person that is going through life as you at this moment, who has all of the life experiences that you have, all the nature and the nurture and the birth order and the DNA and the abandonment and the rejection and the loss and the grief and the heartache and the, the move, moving and, and people uh, die. All these things, they're unique to you. You're the only person that's gone through exactly what you've gone through. So to have the feelings and thoughts and emotions that you have, is normal because you're human. So just recognize that this is an unusual time and uh, we're going to have a lot of thoughts and feelings around this time. And there are going to be times where we're going to be the the person, you know, I'm going to be the one that's going to be there for my family and I'm going to be the one that's coming in and, and uplifting people and telling jokes and, and that sort of thing. And there are going to be other times where we're going to feel a little bit more overwhelmed. There's going to be other triggers that are involved. Maybe we haven't gotten a lot of rest lately. Maybe our diet's not what it, what it needs to be. Maybe we haven't been able to get out and do exercise as much as we would like. And so just recognize it times where if you're starting to feel a little bit more down um take a step back again practice self-compassion go through these tips that we've talked about but recognize sometimes you need some more rest or sometimes you need to make sure you eat a little better sometimes you just need to to go out on a walk or do some push-ups or do something like that to really get the blood flowing and just know that uh things are going to be okay i mean things are going to be we're going to get through this and you're going to look at a lot of things that you've learned from this entire experience and and just know that uh um, y- you can do a lot of good work now. And it doesn't mean that if you're not out there doing mindfulness and, and being there for your family and all this stuff every minute of every day, it's okay. I, I don't think anybody's able to do that right now. All right. Hey, I appreciate you joining me. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon on the virtual couch. Compressed emotions flying past. Our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind. It's one and rubber ghost i'm floating past the midnight hour they push aside the things that